Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Welcome to Mac and Blue. I'm Robert Johnson, Vice President of Business Development with Tory Contracting. He is J.J. Levinsky with Blue Wave General Countries. Not just with them, he is the president of them. What's happening? Yeah, I've been promoted to head. Dishwasher. Janitor, maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, awesome. Custodial engineer sounds more yeah. professional, but yeah, I'll take that. I'm great. You doing well? I'm doing excellent. Blue Wave is a general contractor, commercial GC here in the Valley. Daryl Robinson, our producer. Yes, that is me. Mike is on. And everyone, remember, happy and, birthday, Daryl. Oh, yeah, happy yes, birthday, thank you. Darryl. I appreciate that. Now, that was, your birthday was? Wednesday. This past Wednesday. Yes. Okay. And you were 28. Correct. Wow. Doesn't look a day over 21. He doesn't. Yeah. I'm actually 33. You doing okay, though? Yes, I'm doing great. Awesome. <laughs> Glad to be here with you. Excited. And we actually coordinated today. Robert and I actually wore the same loud shirts. Match, matching Instead loud shirts. Instead of a one loud jacket, one loud shirt, or mismatched. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to wind up going the shirt route. Okay. The shirt route's pretty cool. And, and for our wives, we thank you for shopping for us because we could have never pulled this off on our own. <laughs> that is absolutely the truth. And so with that, the segue into <laughs> to, uh, our guest this week Hello. is Josh Umar. Uh, who is the executive director of the American Subcontractors Association of Arizona. Wow, that was pretty good, huh? Commonly referred to as ASA of Arizona. Oh, there, there we go. go. Much, much better. I, we, we we all speak acronyms, so it's good. Yeah, we were GPAC last week and we're ASA, <laughs> ASA this week. Yeah, so um, welcome. Thank you. Thanks Glad for to be getting here. here. Yeah. I understand you've been a little under the weather. Yeah, but, you know, I'm rolling now. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. That's all we can That's all we can. Uh, <laughs> Ask for and like a good, good for snowball you. down a steep hill. <laughs> right. Glad you're better. You won't be after this hour. <laughs> yeah. Therapist, be advised. Exactly. We got, a, we got another patient coming here shortly. That's right. Coming in hot. Code blue. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization. Sure. Uh, Josh Umar, executive mm-hmm. director, as you said. I've been at ASA since June of 2020. I have enjoyed my time a great deal, despite the fact that for a lot of my time at the association, it has been complicated to associate uh, for the obvious reasons, but, but it's, been, it's been great. Um, before that, uh, I was working for the Phoenix Chamber, doing a lot of construction, workforce development, and marketing. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, running my own chamber in Virginia. Uh, strong background in sort of economic and workforce development, strategic planning, um, government affairs, and a long history in Arizona. Uh, I used to come here when I was a teenager. I I mention this sometimes. I I really ought to Google it to see if they still do it. I cannot imagine that the insurance companies still allow it. But you guys are familiar with uh, uh, Emory Riddle and Prescott, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So they used to do this thing when I was a kid where they would bring teenagers from all over the country out and put them up in the dorms during the summer. Are you talking Virginia or where? No, I, I'm originally from Oklahoma. Oh, So okay. this is back when I was in Oklahoma okay. City. And we won't hold that against you. I understand. Okay. I understand. <laughs> and so they had this crazy program at Embry-Riddle, but I loved all things planes and just uh, anything that flies, I'm a geek for. So they had this program where you could come out and they would put one pilot student and one engineering student from the university in charge of this gaggle of teenagers. And you would just spend the whole week flying planes all over the state of Arizona. And it was absurd. I can't believe they let us do it looking back on it. But it was great. And I came several years to do that when I was a teenager and, and fell in love with Arizona and, and always kind of had it in my head. I'd like to get back there if I can. And then, you know, about three, well, a little more than three years ago, my brother married a woman from Phoenix and moved to Phoenix. And it was kind of like, okay. Here's their excuse. Here's the excuse to make the leap. So that's when I got on with the Phoenix Chamber doing the construction workforce stuff. And and from so you there. Went, so you did go from one chamber 
the, the Virginia yeah. thing to here, right? Yes, okay. from Virginia, from a Virginia chamber to the Phoenix chamber. Gotcha. And then when I got involved there, there were, I gosh, I, I think it was 17 ASA members involved in that project. It was called Build Your Future Arizona. I can talk more about it later, but they kind of got to know me through my work there. And then when the, my predecessor, Carol Floco, who had been uh, CEO of ASA for 17 years, she'd been there for a while. She decided it was time to retire, go spend time with the grandkids. And I kind of got the, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Why don't you take a look at this? Right. And, and it was, it's been great. Good. So that was an easy transition then. Yeah. Well, a similar it, transition. It was, yeah. it was. I mean, you easy. you you knew the, you knew a bunch of people. I knew a lot of the players yeah. and a lot of the key players, and I understood the industry, and I understood a lot of the folks. I understood it from multiple angles, right? From the business side and the the trade side and the career development side, and and so I felt coming into it like I was pretty well rounded, and you know that has luckily been true now. There were challenges, obviously, because I mentioned, you know, pandemic stuff. Mm -hmm. But anytime you're coming in after a successful 17-year term uh, with a previous CEO, sure. there's going to be a transition. Mm -hmm. And and that has certainly been uh, no less true of us than it is with anybody else. But, but definitely feel like I'm on the path I'm supposed to be on. Good. And you guys know each other well, previously yeah. outside of a, of a podcast. Well, for the record, I, I and Blue Wave were... were members, but then I'm also on what one of the committees called the PIC, which is the Partners in Construction. So what is there, Josh? Like 12, 15, 16 of us as general representative of the general contractor yeah. space where we meet, I think we're even meeting tomorrow morning, as a matter of fact, we offer up our guidance, if you will, and viewpoint as a general contractor to help this subcontractor and trade, this, you know, the trade base that, sure. that truly is part of the association. Well, that's the majority of the right. association. So, yes, that's how we first met. You know, then, of course, as we've developed this podcast and mm -hmm. Building Arizona, it was obvious that not only ASA, but, you know, there's other, like, memberships that we want to eventually have on. And uh, just it was easy for us because, you know, we're familiar yeah. with Josh. So, um, yes, to answer your question, Robert, we knew each other or know each other. Yeah, uh, I, get to, I get to do the double duty today because I'm here to talk about ASA and, and construction in Arizona, but I'm also doing member services. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. Yeah. He gets his merit badge is that's what he's right. trying to say. That's right. Now, you've mentioned multiple times workforce. How did you say it? Workforce. Uh, workforce development. There we go. Yeah. Workforce development, which is needed so bad. It, it has been for years everywhere, but really specifically so. Recently, now more yeah. than, than, than ever. Speak on that a little bit. Well, so... And deeply, because yeah. everyone wants to know. Well, I can't go a day without having a member say to me, hey, one of my biggest challenges is I'm having trouble finding people to hire. Sure. And I think a lot of times, so there there's several dynamics, but I think one of the main ones, and it's something that we're trying to address at ASA, People think in terms of numbers, which makes sense, right? You have a certain number of jobs in Arizona and construction that need to be filled, and that number is growing. I mean, it's at this point going to be close to 200,000, I think, before the next five years are up. I mean, there, there's massive growth here. And even with, you know, people are talking about recessions and things like that, blah, that number, that, that need is not going to slow down, especially right. in this market. And so it makes sense to talk about the scope of the problem, because I think that helps drive it sure. home for people. But one of the things that we're looking at, and I think something that I encourage people not to overlook, is it's not just a one-for-one -one swap. We are, if you look at the demographics in the industry, there are a lot of very skilled people at every level of the industry, whether they be a CEO or a roofer or a, someone hanging drywall or whatever, that are aging out. The demographics in the industry. You said a dirty word. I, I, well, and I, I apologize for that. And I wow. include like myself we don't resemble in the month, in the, the, those rapidly aging. Um, Do I feel like I'm aging out? Yeah, but, but no, you, that's, and, you and, nailed it. And, that's and, it. That's and, the problem. And really, and really, when we talk about that, what I'm talking about is skill. The, the worry is that not only do you need a lot of people to come in and, and, and start a career in construction and, and learn a trade, but you're trying to replace people who are exiting the industry who have 15, 20, 25 years of experience. And it's going to take time for the new people sure. to get caught up. And so we're working on that and, and trying to turn attention to that. 
And then I think the other thing that we're trying to focus on with a lot of our educational offerings and, and things like that is this is a real, God, back in my academic days, I'm still recovering, by the way, but... Recovering academic? Uh, recovering <laughs> academic. You yeah. got four PhDs uh, behind My, my, my <laughs> time as, as, a, as a philosophy and economics grad school, it was dark days. But, mm-hmm. but one of the things that, that we used to talk about, you know, uh, when we're talking about replacement and skill and, and all of those other things is you've got this, like I said, it's kind of not a one-to-one swap. You also have a collective action problem right? Where that's the, the goofy economic term, where you've got this issue that you're looking at. No one company can solve it on their own. And yet there are so many incentives to be wary of investing in a solution. So uh, for instance, take, imagine if I'm a company that, uh, and I'm one of the first companies in my area to start a, a really legit training program. And I start investing in that and I start graduating skilled people and all the other companies that have not bothered to do that are now going to try poach to come and poach my people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a sense in which, you know, the temptation is to throw your hands up. So I think part of my job as an association executive, but especially in the construction space, is to help collectively solve that problem and bring people into a solution and, and help them be part of a solution that is sort of safe for them to invest in. And that helps everyone, right. um, because if 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 we don't all address this, yeah. the the gap in both the numbers and the skill that I was mentioning, it's it's too big. The industry won't catch up. And so we what we've got to do as an association is create a safe space for a lot of that workforce development work, and give our member companies the information that they need to invest in this stuff and and adopt best practices so that they can understand that they're part of an industry-wide solution and kind of feel safe taking those steps. So on that, Josh, are there any examples that have been tried and true and adapted or adopted by the, the marketplace right now? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a ton of them. Okay. Um, and, and, so, and they happen at multiple levels. So on the contractor level, you obviously have great member companies. We've got a bunch of them. DP Electric, Pueblo Mechanical, these are people with certified apprenticeship programs. Right. And that's a really powerful model to address these things, and, and they've been successful with that. You also have companies um, that are really taking steps to develop their own training, what they call their own academies or universities. Um, brewer companies uh, had the Brewer Craftsman Academy, mm-hmm. and they've had tremendous success with that. Brewer is now part of a, a bigger company called Synergios, but they, they've had success with that in, in a staggering number. They're a residential plumber. Staggering number of that new houses they're building every year are done by first-year graduates mm. of the Brewer, mm. Acad- you know, the Craftsman yeah. Academies. Sure. Um, that's a heck of a testimonial right yeah, there. Yeah, that's oh, amazing. It's, it's, they've done an incredible job. And, and not only that, but they, along with um, 3G, Haskins Electric, some other of our members, have partnered with South Mountain Community College to develop uh, what they call a, 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 a construction academy there. And it's you can do framing or plumbing or electrical. And the idea is you go through and you've got these curricula that are set up to spit you right out into a job that pays you really, really well. So not only are they doing it in, in their own companies— uh, University of Canyon State at Canyon State Electric is another one that's doing oh, yeah. this now. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're developing these companies, but you see companies uh, forming partnerships with educational institutions and the like. And so, sure. so you've got those approaches. And then I think, as I was sort of gesturing at earlier, you have the industry wide initiatives that are tend to be based in a, a trade association mm-hmm. or a chamber or something like that. I mentioned Build Your Future Arizona mm-hmm. earlier. That's one still still running out of the Phoenix Chamber um, Foundation over there. They do a great job, and I helped launch that. But that's general contractors, subcontractors, uh, a lot coming together and putting big marketing dollars into a multi-year campaign to try to move the needle just to inspire young people to even consider construction careers. Sure. Uh, you know, that's an uphill battle. Uh, well, like we had uh, Junior Achievement on, you know, how many, what was that, perfect. four or five episodes ago, yeah. to talk about that. It was the exact same thing as Josh. And that's a great segue to what I was going to oh, say Oh, sorry, next. go ahead. No, no, no. So Build Your Future, 
does what it does and they're great at it, but they're very self-consciously focused on high school kids and young adults that are trying to switch careers. But to move the needle, you really got to get young kids. You got to get that fifth or eighth grade because a lot of times by the time they get to high school, either they or their parents or their guidance counselor have already sort of put them on a track. Put them in a slot. Yeah. So you go to places like Junior Achievement, right? where they're running people through there by the thousands and they get to get exposure to the trades. Uh, we are going to have a booth in there with them uh, that is going to showcase four or five different trades. Right, with all of our relations with Scott. Yep, yep, yeah, 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 exactly. And so we're going to have four or five of our members showcased in Junior Achievement. Perfect. Just so that when they're in that fifth through eighth grade age group, they and their parents can come in and understand the the role that construction and construction workforce plays in the overall economy and how it relates to everything else. Mm-hmm. So you have to go full spectrum. Yep. It's it's the individual company training programs, the apprenticeships, the partnerships with education, and then sort of the full spectrum marketing and development side. And so we're trying to be a part of all of that um, because, and and this is sort of the, the button I'll put on it, because our members are the tradespeople. Right. It, we're two thirds of our membership by, by bylaws has to be trades companies. They have to be what we call them regular members, which is a little bit, uh, it's not snazzy enough to describe what they do, <laughs> but th- these are the subcontractors. Most of these young people that we're talking about trying to get into the construction industry, especially if they're not on a path where they're going to have a four year degree, are going to go into the trades. And so we are trying at, ASA of Arizona to play as visible and active a role as we can in trying to make sure that our members and the trades generally can be the benefit of all those efforts that I just talked about. Excellent. Killer. Hold on one second. Let's take a break and uh, we'll jump back into it. Tory Contracting, your full service Division 9 contractor. Tory Contracting operates with a smaller, hands on team. This cohesive structure results in superior workmanship and economical solutions. We deliver projects with unsurpassed commitment to quality and stewardship of budget. Tory Contracting, small enough to listen, big enough to deliver. So, Josh, it was great. You kind of, we kind of dove right into some of the cool sure. action items of ASA. And then at, towards the end of that, right before the break, you kind of gave a little bit of the organization, but I think the audience would really like to know, break it down even a little further of residential versus commercial, you know, because imagine this, that I'm a, a startup electrician listening to this and how do I get involved with ASA? But give a little bit of that background of the the demographics of ASA in specific. Yeah. So for the first time in a while, we're growing. Um, I think right now we're sitting just under 220 members and our Membership, as I said, two-thirds of it always has to be subcontractors. Mm-hmm. Um, the remaining folks are um, the folks like JJ, mm-hmm. who we call uh, sustaining members. And those are your your general contractors, your architecture and engineering firms, folks like that. Well, and we have a co- we have like accounting and yeah, pr- and professional then services. Are, and then and those things, are the yeah. associate folks, right? So you've got— Oh, your, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you, you know, out no, there. No, no, no. Yeah. So your, your lumber suppliers, your CPAs, your attorneys— all of those folks that we like to think of as sort of the subcontracting community, the people who do bonding, you know, what, whatever sure, it is. Sure. And so that's a third. And then the two thirds of the, are the subcontractors of our group, a uh, little over 70% are commercial industrial. And that is true of almost every ASA chapter. That's We're, an interesting statistic. Well, it, it, most chapters across the country, because we're part of a national organization that has mm-hmm. about 3,000 members, and most of them across the country don't actually have residential members. Hmm. We are sort of a pioneer here in Arizona in making that happen, that we've got about 30% of our membership that are residential subcontractors. And, and that came about because of some of the very specific uh, safety efforts that we were involved in when it came to fall protection and a few other things like that, that sure. we were really looking to strengthen. And, and we ended up getting people involved on the residential side that loved it and uh, became leaders in the organization. I mentioned the brewer companies earlier, uh, they're, you know, on the residential side and mm-hmm. have had people come through on every committee and the board, Mike Brewer's current immediate past president. So, so we have that mix, I think, that is really helpful to us. Um, and we get, again, I think, you know, in my chair, 
it kind of helps me keep tabs on the industry as a whole. Sure. So on that, do you think when you said you were growing, going back to the, the growth thing, uh, do you see the future of ASA getting more residential, more commercial, or are you like, is there a model that you're trying to sustain there? To be honest, uh, not really. I think for our part, I think we are mostly trying to find subcontractors who really want to engage. And, gotcha. and the reason I say it like that is because we are incredibly confident in the value that we're providing in the programming, in the events, in the education, in the networking. We feel like the folks that come and plug in will get an ROI on their dues multiple times over. And so the hope for us is that whatever section of the industry you're in, you can find us and reach out to us about the specific areas where you think you can most benefit and, and we'll plug you in there and get you going. So as long as uh, you've, you've got a company that is ready to take that step, that's what I would say. Um, I think there are some startups that are in need of what we're providing. And so we do our best as a nonprofit to serve everybody. Sure. But there are some folks that if I'm a company working out of a garage and it's the owner and a five-man crew, it's really tough to show up to an educational session because I'm out in the field. Right. Right. I'm building stuff. And so I would say that the companies that plug in the most seamlessly with us are the companies that are right at that step where they're they're in a position where if they wanted to, the owners could say, okay, I'm going to take my hands away from a focus on building something and turn them to the focus on building the business, you know. Which they have to get to at some point if they, they want to grow. They have to if they want to grow and survive. Yeah, that's right. So, Josh, on that, uh, I think, it, of course, I'm biased because I know what goes on. So, I'm trying to kind of tee this up a little bit. In a month, describe all the different things that you do for the advocacy of like take a specific subcontractor, trade contractor, for everything from, you talked about safety, but the committees, the education, dive a little deeper into, you know, educating the audience on all the things that ASA provides. And just take a typical month. Sure. I mean, uh, we, we have what I think can be uh, described by any reasonable measure as an extremely busy calendar. <laughs> um, we do networking mixers the first Thursday of every month. And that's, those are fun. By the way, we have a lot of fun at ASA. I will stop momentarily to say that's actually a big part of why I took this job. Yeah. So, you know, I was over at the Phoenix Chamber mm -hmm. and because of the ASA members that were involved in what I was doing, I would end up at a lot of ASA events and they were such a blast. The The camaraderie there is, it, it was and remains uh, a really powerful part of what we do and what we are. So you get these events with golf tournaments and bowling tournaments and networking mixers mm -hmm. and the thing, things like that. But you also have um, ASA University, which is big picture education on things like um, managing your cash flow or and those are great ideas. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. attracting talent or, hey, you're looking at selling your business or you're looking at someone's made, a, made an offer for your business. How do you handle those things? What do you need to know? We're working on that stuff. I mentioned the safety piece. I mean, that's as awesome. Well, it's almost a full-time job in that alone. I mean, it's incredible sure. The because we're not trade-specific, right. right? Everybody, every trade is welcome at ASA. And so a lot of our safety education ends up being big picture things that every kind of company needs to know. And we have a very strong partnership with ADOSH there. So you get uh, uh, our safety committee manages things and they bring in guest speakers on you know, uh, mental health or heat management or hazardous labeling or whatever it is. They sure. bring people in to talk about this. And then we also have a partnership program with ADOSH called AMP, ASA Member Partnership Program, where basically you, you join ASA, you can get into this AMP program for free. And for three years, you get one-on-one -on -one consultation and help from ADOSH staffers in designing a safety plan and improving your safety culture. And in return for doing that, in return for opening that up, you get exempted from citations for three years. Because if there's a problem, wow, if there's a problem, they come on and help you fix it permanently. They don't just come and slap you with a citation. Well, uh, yeah, I you know, see, I they, they, they want to work with businesses. So we've had uh, member businesses, uh, integrated lath and plaster is one. Scott Schuster and his folks have done incredible 
work, not only building things, but doing so safely. And they just got a huge award back in March from from ADOSH about their safety improvements and did it at the Capitol lawn, and it was great. So I don't, I don't want to go too far afield, but that's a long way of saying the safety activities that we do and the safety education and offerings we do by itself is an incredible member benefit. Sure. Um, and then you have the partners in construction, right? You get to to talk in a collaborative way about the problems that are facing the industry and and the, improve the relationship between subcontractors and general contractors. Um, we've got a residential forum that we do. We have an incredible attorney's council. We, we've got one of those this week, actually, um, on Greg Gillis is going to come by and he's going to talk about bankruptcy, the effects on the industry, a lot of nuts and bolts with that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you get all these groups together and a lot of really good cross-pollination happens. So, gosh, I mean, that's even, that's just scratching the surface. I, I realize I went on for a while, but that's... No, that's good. That's... Now, is there any active lobbying through oh, ASA? Yeah. I mean, that's, okay. and, and that's a big focus of what I do uh, on the day-to-day, uh, especially while sessions are in. Okay. Um, so, what does that look like, Josh? Well, so, we have had the best year, I think, um, in several years, and we've had a great series of years in government affairs going all the way back to 2019 when we helped get proportional liability, SB 1271 Mm -hmm. got passed that established proportional liability in the residential side of the industry. Then you move on from there. We were instrumental uh, in getting the construction work designated as an essential industry when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And the hits just keep coming. Um, We have, I'll just go over a quick list here. SB 1136 this year, where we helped improve prompt pay laws on municipal projects. Uh, HB 2120 uh, made some really contractor-friendly mods to some workers' comp stuff and and strengthened ADOSH against some interference from federal OSHA, because we like working with ADOSH. We like those guys. We like how they treat our members. But Um, just so the audience understands, trying to do this at a high level, I don't want to steal your thunder, but basically... Arizona is one state that federal OSHA can't doesn't supersede state OSHA. We have we have what we call a state plan, which is that basically under certain agreements and under certain guidelines, federal OSHA allows the Industrial Commission via ADOSH to oversee safety on construction work sites. And there's been some grumblings that they may reverse that position. And so we've been working really hard to make sure to support ADOSH in turn because of the way that they have spent years and years and years and years trying to help our member businesses improve not only their bottom line, but their safety culture. Sure. So, so we focused on that this year. And then the other thing, and this will be a nice tie to the workforce development stuff, was there were a couple of bills, uh, HB 2017 and HB 2886, that got wrapped into this most recent budget. And that was more than $16 million a year in construction workforce training. Oh, that's, uh, that's, huge. that's moving ahead. And it's going to be yeah. not only at the high school level, but at the community college level. So these are the kinds of things, in addition to playing defense against a lot of really treacherous stuff mm-hmm. uh, that comes through. As you guys know, uh, a lot of times government, maybe especially when they're trying to help, does things that can be hard on contractors. Mm-hmm. So those are the wins and you throw in the defense. And, and I would say that that is a huge part of how we provide value to the construction industry. Again, regardless of trade, regardless of sector, we're focused on that as a main core of, of how we offer value. Yeah. And, you know, subcontractors are a majority of the workforce. I yep. mean, if you're working on a job, you're working for a subcontractor. And yeah, so it's... Yeah, we're the, we're the minority. I mean, absolutely I'm, are. I mean, although it's, you know, we're the... What do they call it? I mean, we're the head that turns the whatever it is. Yeah, the GCs are it, but the subcontractors are the ones that, that make that machine move. Well, and I think what we find in our membership is a recognition that it takes every player, right, to make a, a successful building project sure. happen. And so what we try to look for are people who want to come in and collaborate. Because I think in every part of business, but especially with construction where, you know, you've got owners and developers who hire a GC who then goes out and hires trades companies and, and it can get gladiatorial really fast, right? And, <laughs> wow, and, that's and, a great word and so 
Well said. Yeah, that's and, the truth. And, and I think what we're trying to do at ASA with with our members, with the partners in construction, we're we we are for subcontractors. That's why we exist. Sure. But we think that a lot of progress can be made in making life easier on subcontractors by inviting people into the room and collaborating and finding the people who want to work that way and having them be a part of the association. So that's, you know, JJ is involved there for that reason. And there are several other companies that are involved for that reason. And that's the approach we like to take, uh, both in terms of the the general contractor subcontractor relationship mm-hmm. and then the advocacy thing you just mentioned because I'd be remiss if I didn't say if I didn't note that a lot of the stuff that we do is via coalition of subcontractors and subcontractor associations called Arizonans for Fair Contracting mm-hmm. where we take those numbers that you're talking about yeah. right that majority yeah. and try to leverage it on the grassroots to protect subcontractors against bad legislation so you might have just begun to answer some of this question i mean I've been a member of the ASPE, mm-hmm. est- the Estimators piece, for years and years and years, and huge benefits. Why should somebody, why is an association important? Why can't these guys do this on their own? And, and yeah, I mean, I know the answer to that, but why are they so important? I think they're, for lack of a better phrase, I think associations are force multipliers. Uh, really what they do is they pool all this, the intelligence and resources and goodwill that exist in the industry and focus it on problems to get things done. And to me, that is the most rewarding part of what I do. And it's, and it's keeping that in mind is really important for how we provide value to our members. I would say that ASA itself is a little bit of a, it's a special place in that it's an umbrella. Yeah. There are so many wonderful construction trade associations, whether it be walls and ceilings or the roofers mm-hmm. or plumbing, heating, cooling. And they do a lot of very important work, especially when it comes to uh, trade-specific education. Mm-hmm. But for us, um, I think what we provide is that one umbrella where no matter what your challenges are and no matter what trade you belong to, you can find resources with us that are going to help you overcome your challenges. And so that's what I tell people. Whatever you're dealing with, because we are a broad organization and thereby our members are broad and they're bringing all their knowledge and their resources to bear, whatever problem you have, there's going to be someone that can help you with it. Which is Well, not only that, but they— Everyone else has the same problems too. That's right. <laughs> well, not, it's not just the solution, it's the shared problem as well. And and I think there's a lot to that sense of camaraderie. And again, I would say, you know, for us, that's been a big part of the character of ASA for many years. Uh, again, my pre- my predecessor did a wonderful job establishing a very close-knit collaborative environment in terms of the way people work together. There are members that we've had going on at this point, 30 years that have clients that have lasted 30 years. Right. I mean, these relationships right. that people build are long lasting and they grow into friendships. And so again, for us, it's about because we are generalist, because we can invite everyone in, we can bring all those diverse resources to bear on the problems that a member might face. Yeah. And that's really what I like about this. I mean, the very, the trade specific things are very important Absolutely. and I'll give you that. But the, the things that you've mentioned that can be the deal breaker for many business, these, I mean, let's face it, these subcontractors in many times, it's their first time. They're just trying to start out. It's a business. They don't pay their taxes on time. They don't understand why and how, and they can save this money and all those things that doom so many, mm-hmm. um, this is a nice way to and learn not what not to do. That's right. You can avoid a lot of big mistakes. And you can also come meet people who are on the other side of yeah. these issues. They've been there. They've been there. Yep. They've broken through. Their business has grown. And so many of them want to give back. Mm-hmm. They, they want to see the industry thrive and they want to see other companies thrive. And they care about what construction has done for them and their families. Well, I, I think another thing there is, and I can say this firsthand, it goes back to multiple guests that we've had. This is America's, you know, the, what do I say? The largest small town in America, mm-hmm. as far as the, the, the business type 
relationship, I can see the camaraderie through all those levels at any of the things that we do together. And I think that's a big misnomer. A lot of like, let's say I'm that, that guy or that gal that owns company X. I'm a plumber, let's say. Well, I don't want to be part of that because those are my competitors. They're going to steal money. No, yeah. it's the complete opposite. They're, that is your biggest fraternity and friendship you could ever ask for. There's enough work for all of you. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to have the, the around the chest type attitude. That I think that's exactly right. And I think that the, what you just said has been borne out over and over again. And I hear that most from successful companies that waited years to join. Because they were afraid, oh, I'm going to go into this association and my competitors are going to be in there. Or they're embarrassed. Or Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or there's been a problem. Oh, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Or it's like well, your, that's why you're joining. <laughs> it's, your, it's like your initial job site meeting yeah. where everybody goes in. You've got all these multiple subcontractors that come in and everybody is posturing and positioning and not giving up their space and don't want to be taken advantage of. Um, that was the way I saw it in my mind. I'm like, oh, that's got to be a meeting for you guys. That's the way those guys are. But you're saying it's not. I'm saying it's not. And I'm saying the longer that you're around and the the folks that have been a part of us for a long time, especially the ones who waited for that exact reason, they were worried mm-hmm. about that exact thing, mm-hmm. are always the the folks that are the most glad that they joined. Yeah. Because they start to learn, as I said, that there is a wealth of knowledge and resources out there that can be brought to bear on the challenge. And sometimes they're the source of the knowledge and the resources. Sometimes sure. they've solved the problem that someone else is trying to solve. And they find that very rewarding. So for my part, it's very nice to be a part of because I see it is a small town. It is. I was blown away when I moved here. The degree to which the construction industry here in the state, but especially here in Phoenix, is like its own village mm-hmm. at times. People know each other and everybody's worked for somebody that's else. Right. And, that's right. You know, and it, and it really does have that feel. And I think what we do and probably what we specialize in as an association is taking that, um, that small town feel and making it a part of our programming and a part of what we're trying to do. You've given multiple references to your predecessor and, you know, mm-hmm. did a good job of thanking her. But at the same token, I know that when you came in, it, it, despite the pandemic, there's there's other things. So as, as you're talking specific to ASA, what have been the struggles of two years ago till now? And then what what are you what are you dealing with now as far as the the obstacles that ASA is facing out there? One of the biggest so I, I would divide it into a couple of areas. One was just that um bless you. Excuse me, sorry. Um one was just that we are a volunteer led organization, right? We have our board. They're all volunteers. They're all people who are out there running businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not getting a big fat paycheck. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not getting a big fat paycheck? Uh, no. And when I came in, one of the most important things I had to do was try to reinvigorate that group. Not that there were not incredible people who had been there for many years, and some of them are still on the board now. Sure. But uh, it was a group that was, I think, probably a little smaller than it could have stood to be. And some of what we were tasked with internally was not just to, to get the board in shape and, and reinvigorate that group, but make sure that that new energy was flowing down and transferring to all the various committees that we rely mm-hmm. on to, to do work for us. So health and safety, commercial forum, et cetera, et cetera. These things were, uh, because Carol was so accomplished and could do so much herself, a lot of times these things existed mostly on paper. And one of my biggest tasks was to try to take them and make them breathing things, right? Real life things that could take on a life of their own in a positive way that would allow us to funnel all that member knowledge and all those member resources and goodwill into accomplishments for the association. So that was wisdom. Yes. Absolute wisdom. Let's take a break. Sure. And we'll finish up. There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from, and we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. 
When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. Probably should hire those guys. I've heard good things. Have you heard good things? Yeah. yeah. Well, don't. I won't listen to the it's, president. It's a vicious no. rumor. Yeah. He's just a brand guy. Okay. So that was part one. Part two of that yeah. question, though, was like, okay, what, what are the initiatives of Josh <laughs> and, and the ASA now? What do so, you want to get yeah, done? Yeah. What do you want to get done? Well, so, so I think for me, I think to follow, I, I, I think I've done a good job and more importantly, my board members and my committee members. And Tara. <laughs> and Tara. Tara's our new events and membership manager. She's doing a wonderful job have done a good job of trying to get that momentum built. And it, 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 we needed a strategic plan. We needed a lot of things when I started out. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. For me, my main goal, I guess, could be boiled down into one word. And it's a word you hear a lot in association world, and I'm hesitant to say it for that reason. But it's just engagement. Hmm. I've got to find a way to continue to communicate. I think our marketing needs some work and we're, we're doing some things with that, but we've got to find a way to encourage our members to plug in because if they do, it's going to, the value is going to hit them over the head. We have too many amazing things going on to avoid reaping some kind of windfall and some kind of return on your dues investment if you will sincerely plug in. And so part of what I think my main goal and so many of the other problems that we face as an association and any association faces would be solved if we can get the members to engage in the way that I know they would benefit from. So I would say that's my main goal. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, and, and, and I would think that that's getting to be maybe an easier task. I mean, the times that we live in, you know, it's service to others, service to others, service to others. You hear yeah. it all the time. So a lot of people are coming in, I would imagine, with that in their mind of how can I help? They, they are. Not what's in it for me, but what can I, how can that's, I help? That's right. They are. But I'll give you an example of the kind of challenge that we face. So when I first came in, one of the first things I did was sort of say, okay, who, who are our current members? Mm-hmm. And I did a, an analysis of who they were just based on annual revenue. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that at that time, about 50% of our subcontractor members were companies that were doing under $5 million a year in revenue. Mm-hmm. Now, that's an incredible testament to the power of ASA of Arizona to speak to those people and to, to serve its nonprofit mission. But it's also set you up for some challenges because, again, those companies are the ones that have the most trouble breaking away from the field. Right. To get involved. They're the guys that are working with their hands. And so part of what I'm trying to do, and I think my board and Tara and and some other folks are trying to do, is engage other sectors of the industry, other companies at other levels of maturity to try to sort of round out that distribution curve a little bit. And then what ends up happening is you have such a lively, organic atmosphere in your membership that those companies that need the most help to grow – are getting it because they're around the companies that are on the other side of that. They're learning from that. And then you can, you can afford, you can afford to basically nurture them. Sure. Because the other bigger companies are involved and active and engaged in a way. So, so again, it's more about, um, like I said, that engagement is a word that nonprofit dudes like me throw around all the time, Mm -hmm. but it's really important as a, as a silver bullet to make sure that people really are getting out of their membership, what you want them to get out of it, that they retain, and then that they can grow into being that company that wants to give back, like you were saying sure. earlier. Yeah. I got one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Goes back to Josh's personal life. Uh-oh. Oh, we really did, haven't delved much into Josh's personal life. Well, we're going to. Okay. Because this it. is some cool stuff. Okay, let's dive. Tell everyone about the falconry. <laughs> oh, now wait, that's now that's cool stuff. Yeah, come on, Josh. Yeah, so I am I am a falconer. Okay. So um, explain that, that doesn't mean is. he's a football pa- yeah, fan what, from Atlanta. No. What, what is a <laughs> no. falconer? Uh, a falconer is someone who can train a wild bird of prey to be a hunting partner. Mm-hmm. Is essentially the nutshell. And so, one of the other reasons that I wanted to come to Arizona is because it's a pretty incredible place to do falconry. And I had gotten started on this, you know, out east in Virginia. Sure. 
it's just hard to improve on what you can find here, both in terms of the kinds of birds and the, the game that's available and the amount of public lands you can go out and hunt in. And, and so uh, I've had three birds since I got here, a red tail and two Harris hawks. And we go out, I set them free and we go hunt together. And then at the end of the day, they decide whether or not they want to come home with me. And, and luckily they've all chosen to do so, so far. He, he pets them and treats them well. How do you, how do you, do you, do you purchase a bird from somewhere? How do you find no, them? uh, most, I'm going to speak in generalities. Yeah, any, yeah. Of the, any of the, so. Well, and for, first of all, this is all legal through Arizona. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes I noticed. Yes, heavily, yes. heavily licensed. When I first, yeah. when I first got into this, I had a falconer make a joke to me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm doing the scare quotes for yeah. those of you who are just listening that getting into falconry is, is almost as tough as adopting a human baby. Turns out it's pretty tough. There's, there's, a uh, exams that you have to pass, uh, inspections from, uh, fish and game. Uh, you have to do a two-year apprenticeship with a master falconer that, that sort of runs you through. So the, you adopt. Yeah. So it was the background check. That so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. They, yeah. This is all the liquor store robberies really, <laughs> right, really hold you up. Yeah. But, but, but the nutshell and, and for all the falconers listening, please understand I'm using general terms yes. to a general audience. I, I know I could be more specific, but the idea is essentially I will go out and trap a bird okay. in the fall. So I trap a wild bird. They are what you call a passage bird. So they've grown up and they've left the nest and they're on their own, but they are not sexually mature yet. They're not gotcha. fully adult. And as it turns out, a lot of birds that age every year die. Sure. Roughly about 80%, 85%. Holy by cow. Some. Is it really that high? It is high. And it's, and it's a lot of it is human cost. Um, lead poisoning. They oh. get hit by cars. They eat a rat that's been poisoned and, and they die from the poison. Power lines, you name it. We're, we're pretty hard on our bird friends. So what I like to do is go get one in the fall. Mm-hmm. I train it to work with me essentially as a hunting partner. The bird sticks around because I prove my value right. and my trustworthiness as a hunting partner. And basically, it's I'm going to keep you safe, and I'm going to give you lots of opportunities to do what you want to do more than anything, which is hunt and catch things. And it they quickly pick up on the fact that hey, this ain't so bad. Yeah, you know, and you're not a bad is, dude. This I'm is basically a, the relationship JJ and I. Didn't, had. I didn't. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> he, he he showed me the trap he used to get you. Yeah, perfect. Um, no. Speed dating by Robert. <laughs> no, but but the idea is essentially. You trap this bird, and obviously the bird is none too pleased for the yeah. first few days. <laughs> yeah. But eventually they come around and understand, and, and you prove yourself, and then you set them free when you go hunt, and you hope that they work with you. So they are not tethered? Not while hunting, no. I mean, there there's a, there's a period in the training process where they're tethered, but the goal is to fly them as free as possible. Yeah, it's right. amazing. Isn't that I, cool? Yeah, I, I had, a, uh, I had a, a friend that was a, a falconer, and— my grandsons go to a youth hunt thing somewhere, mm-hmm. and there is a, I don't know, is it a group? Is it an association? Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably and, Josh. <laughs> and they show up with not just falcons, but uh, birds of prey and, you know, mm-hmm. like owls. Yeah. All kinds of things. It, well, it, it's, a, it's a passion, you know, for all the, the hoops that you have to jump through. This is probably not going to surprise anyone, but birds of prey are not real lovey-dovey most of the time. So if you're one of those people that, you know, like if you, like there are people that just, they want to get a dog or a cat and they just want to love on it. It's not a labradoodle. That's not the relationship you're building with these birds. What you're building is a hunting partnership. So you're going to go out, you're going to cut them loose. You got to, you got to go hunt them as much as you can. And that's how you build the relationship. It's not based on affection. Now, of course, we... Be, and I and I say we because I think almost all falconers are like this, whether they want to admit it or not. We get attached. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. We we get attached, and so it's always hard on us to release them. Or when we get to that year when they've they've grown their new feathers in, they become adult, right? They've molted. They are now ready to go have babies, and then you release them back to the wild. And that, my friend, is a hard day. That sounds like some some tears. So when they go to hunt, you're not sending them after like the Shih Tzu or the Poodle in no, and Aunt so-and-so's no. backyard. They're out in the wild. They're, they're out. Uh, rabbits. Rabbits and quail are, are quail. big. Yeah. Are, yeah are there's, a lot of, remember, birds hunt birds. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I just never thought quail for some reason. Of and, course, and I don't know why hunt, not. They'd be an easy catch. Dove and, and pigeon and all. There, there's a lot of different things you can do, especially here in Arizona. But 
but really it's, uh, I spend most of my time hunting rabbits. Are there seasons? There are. Much like, so you, there's a certain season for each one? And there's, there's seasons both in terms of the biology of the birds, Mm -hmm. the time of year when they're being raised and leaving the nest and, mm-hmm. and doing that. And then there's seasons in terms of the law, the, the hunting regulations. What as well. they could hunt and when, or that's just exact, when right. they can hunt. Uh, both, both. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should have started with that. I mean, I we know. could have done a whole hour on falconry. We can always have them back. Yeah. I don't know how that's building Arizona, but it sounds cool. Oh, no, it's building Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely I can cool. make something up. I, 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 any, any excuse I have to talk about falconry, I'll do it. All right. Before we sign off, though, Josh, what, is there any call to action or ask of um, you representing ESA of Arizona? Yeah. Anybody who's listening, I would say come to an event. We have an event coming up. We have a- all the ASA University stuff that I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. is free to members and non-members alike. So we've got— Wait, to, and non-members alike. Yeah, because we want to—like I, like I was telling you earlier about engagement. The experience factor. We yeah. want to get yeah. people—we want people to experience the value that we're offering. And so that that ASA University this year, that series of classes is sponsored mm-hmm. by Price Kong, one of mm-hmm. our longtime members. Mm-hmm. We've got a course coming up on buying, selling uh, a construction business, basically business succession. That's going to be August mm-hmm. 23rd. Then September 22nd, it's developing talent. Okay, what do you do when you do get someone in the door and you've hired them? How do you develop them and keep them? Mm-hmm. That's going to be the next two there. We've got golf September 16th at Verado. We've got attorneys council this week that I mentioned earlier. Go to asa-az.org slash calendar, and you'll see our whole list of events. And uh, just plug in. Come try it out. Call me. Let me know if you want to come try something. Mm-hmm. And I think what you'll find is that it'll be worth your time to continue coming. So they can also catch you at the, at the website as well? Yes, they can. Or they can reach me at josh at asa-az.org. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm all over. Yeah, you, you I'm can't, inescapable. You can't miss him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And I, if you can't get him, Tara's there too. And if you can't get me, you can email my bird. The, oh, hawk, wow. is, the hawk is very responsive by email. So Listen, uh, it's been a great show. I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thanks for the time. Glad you're feeling better. Appreciate it. Now, if we both get sick, well, you'll hear from us, but or our attorney. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we've all had it by now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad you're feeling better. Glad you're here. Well, I'm glad I could do it. I, I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the opportunity to get the message out a little bit about what we're doing. And I also think, as crazy as it sounds, it's been really nice to just help people get to know me. Because, sure. as I said, for the first couple years uh, at my of my time at ASA, it was hard to do in-person yeah. stuff as much as I wanted to do. That's what this is all about. Thank and, you, Josh. Yeah, well, honor having you. Glad we're able to do it. All right, hey. Uncle Daryl, take us away. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Tory Contracting and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to The Mac and Blue Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram. And tune in live every Monday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.